Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here, excited to have those joining us online, Facebook Live, always excited to have them. Lots of people still going, lots of people still doing stuff. Titans game, you probably saw the train a while ago, leaving with all those Titans fans that are left, maybe, you know what I'm saying. It's not been too good this year, has it? I'm not a big sports person, as you can probably tell. Uh, I love uh, certain aspects of sports, but I'm not, I don't follow anybody like loyally. Uh, I was a Still am a Vanderbilt fan. I mean, we, you, I mean, those Vanderbilt fans, we have to be loyal. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, it's a great day. It's going to be a great day. But again, anyway, uh, I want to share with something you, uh, share something with you that I, I know I've had to say this as a part of some message. I just know I have. Uh, but, it, but it's a little phrase, and it goes like this. Everything that grows changes. I mean, think about it. Everything that grows changes. And the reality of that phrase, I mean, we, we, we see that in our life because we look at our life and we realize we can look back and see how our life has changed. I mean, you're like me. You've had all of those kind of weird growth spurts in life and your body goes through all the changes. I remember back when I was in elementary school, uh, I was like a size four in my shoe and then I went to a size nine, and it happened overnight. And then, and right, I mean, and then in the sixth grade, I was wearing a size 12. Call me Bozo, you know what I'm saying? I was wearing a size 12. I had big feet. Yes, I did. And it took a while for my body to catch up with my feet. But I remember growing and changing. And, and again, Lord, you like this. My feet were just the manifestation, you know what I'm saying, of what was happening in my life because everything that grows actually changes. I remember one of the biggest changes in my life was moving from Nashville to Lebanon, and I know that many of you are tired of hearing about that, but again, it was a change because everything I knew, every place I was familiar with was gone. I moved to Lebanon, and I had nobody that I knew. Nobody. I didn't know one person. But one of the first people that I met is still my lifelong friend, Betsy. And she's watching online right now. I know that. And here's the thing Betsy has cancer. And I just want to take this opportunity because there's 1,200 miles between me and her. And I just want to pray for her. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You just stay where you're seated. I know she's watching on that camera because the middle camera's out. <laughs> we need to be praying for that camera, okay? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just want you, if you will, if you're comfortable, stretch your hand towards that camera. It's on this side of the wall over here. You probably don't see it. It's towards the back. And I just want to pray for her. And if you have a problem, I'm going to kind of, you know, an issue, cancer, you're going through a tough time, I'm going to pray for you too. God, we just lift up, especially this morning, Betsy, my friend, partner in ministry who serves the church and who serves you faithfully. And God, I just pray that there couldn't be a message that would be more appropriate for her and for all of us today than this one. But God, I just pray that for her and for anybody in this audience that's going through cancer or treatments or health issues, 
God, that you would touch their physical bodies. And God, that they would feel your presence like they have never felt it before. From the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. That God, your healing power would manifest itself in their body. And God, that they would be healed in Jesus' name. God, go before her and behind her, every person here who's struggling. Let your spirit rest on them as we ask this prayer, a healing prayer. And we all said, amen, in Jesus' name. All of us can look back and see that change has been part of our lives. And here's the thing about change. It always has this kind of sense of awkwardness when it happens. But anything that grows changes. And anything that grows is going to go through transitions. Because your life, like my life, is like, a, it's like plateau after plateau. And knowing that it's that way, it means that your life, like my life, is full of transitions. But when we go through those difficult transitions, not all of them are difficult, but most of them are. We, we know that one day life will settle down and things will get back to normal. We know that after going through the transitions, the structure of life will fall back into place and, and things will be back to normal. But it's getting through the transition. It's getting through the change that can be the tough part. And see, I just want you to know, when I, when I think about a change or when I think about transitions, when I think about that in my life, I've discovered that on a personal basis, there are a couple of things that, that, I, that I have seen that I believe that you need to know. Here's the very first thing. that When it comes to a transition, you need to understand this. Transitions always involve stress. I mean, they almost always bring with them an element of pain. Even if that transition was something that you were looking forward to or you knew the transition was coming... It will always involve some level of stress or, or some level of pain. Here's the second thing about transitions. You don't get to choose. Many times those transitions are forced on us. Many times you don't have the opportunity to choose which transition you want. It just is forced on you. We wake up one day and life is different. What we were accustomed to, it looks so different. It's like somebody rearranged the future. Because most of the transitions that you're going to go through are not of your own choosing. And I think most of you would agree with me that that's exactly what happened in March 2020. Because in this community, Lebanon and Wilson County, we took a double punch to the face. Remember, we had the tornado that devastated our county. And then we didn't have the chance to get over that. And here comes the pandemic. It's like one day we woke up and life as we knew it was over. It wasn't the same. And again, like I said, there was absolutely nothing that you and I could do about it. And because of what happened, life and business and employment and church, 
it just changed. It all changed. And it hadn't been the same since then. But even in the midst of these kinds of times in life, even when you find yourself going through change and transitions, those unexpected things that happens that happen to us in life, there's one thing the Bible is unmistakably clear about. Regardless whatever transition you might be going through, the Bible is totally clear that God is right in the middle of it. God is right in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through right now. God is right in the middle of what is currently happening in your life right now. Because here's the thing, if there is anything that the Bible and life line up on, it's the fact that God does his biggest work right in the middle of the change and the transitions that are part of our lives. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about something this morning that's a little different. I kind of want to talk about where we are as a church. Because I know the last couple of years have been really about a lot of transition. And, and it seems, though, these last couple of years have kind of redefined who we are as a church. Because after the tornado and after COVID and after canceling church for four months and shutting down services and not rehiring people and limiting some of the things that we used to do that we don't do anymore, I'm just going to tell you, those are monumental things for me. And for many people who have been around here since the very beginning, those are transitions. And those transitions have impacted us. And you know what's sad to me? This is about me. Not, this is not necessarily about you. But I want you to understand my heart. Sadly for me, you know what I find myself trying to do? I try to explain to people, especially new people, that this church looks so different after going through the transitions that we've experienced the last couple of years. And last weekend, during this service, the 10 a.m. service, I saw something that I have never seen in the history of this church. And it bothered me. And it shook me. And honestly, because of what I saw last weekend, that's the very reason that we're talking about what we're talking about this morning. Because I know if what I saw last week impacted me, then there are things right now that are happening in your life that are impacting you. And there are things that are happening in this church or things that are not happening in this church that are impacting you. So I thought, you know what? 
let's kind of go there. There was a picture that I saw several years ago, and it wasn't in a spiritual setting. It wasn't in a message. It wasn't in the context of God or the Bible. It was actually in a business context. And, and, and really, I'm going to draw the picture. I'm not really good at drawing, but I will tell you what I am good at. Smelling a fresh magic marker. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I just love me some magic marker. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's like gasoline, magic markers, and glue. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but boy, when I was in school, that I had big feet and I smelled glue. There you go. So anyway, uh, they won't tell you that at College Hills, okay? So anyway, there you go. Let me draw this picture for you. Daddy's got it going on. Let me, let me show this to the camera so they can see it for just a minute. There you go. Here's what that's called. The dip. That's called the dip. Here's what the dip is. The dip is that, that, that spot in life where we have a heightened sense of being vulnerable. That's the dip. Let me, let me give you an equation that you can see that will be better explain this dip. You take a heightened sense of, of vulnerability... plus a diminished sense of power, that's, that's the dip. Here's my theory this morning. You're not going to like it. But that's exactly where God wants you. That's exactly where God wants you. And that's not the only place that God wants you. That's the place that I believe God wants us as a church. Because, see, we make the mistake of defining success as being over here. On top. But I'm not sure that's true. And since God is who he is, he is God. And since God is much more concerned with who you are becoming than where you're going, it's really about focusing on you and what you're becoming when it comes to God. But see, the problem is when you're here at the top, You have this whole set of means and methods and plans and strategies for how you're going to do life or how we're going to do church. And those means and those methods and those plans and those strategies, you know what? They require very little of the power of God. And again, 
when I looked at something that happened in the 10 a.m. service last weekend, I realized that God has led us here as a church. He's led us into the dip. Some people would call that the valley of despair. Because without it, we would become the product of our own will and our own wisdom. Because it, it, it's, it's the dip that shatters your soul. It shatters your arrogance. And it leaves your body and soul crying out to God in thirst. So this morning, I, I want to look at a very familiar story to many of us. A story that starts in Exodus chapter 6, but if there's any story in all of Scripture that clearly defines this picture of the dip, it's found in, in the book of Exodus chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. God's talking about the Israelites. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites... I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the, the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. God is saying, I know you're here. But I want to take you here. I know where you are. I know you're in the valley of despair. I know you're in the transition. I know you're in the change. I know you in a, you're in a place that you never thought you would be and you don't want to be. I know you're here, and I want to take you here. Chapter 14, starting at verse 10. Now remember, between what we just read and what we are about to read, we've had all of the plagues, the blood, the frogs, the killing of the firstborn. We've had all those things happen. And Pharaoh is done. He's like, get, get these people out of here. And what the Israelites have done is they have taken all the stuff. They've taken all of the gold. They've taken all of the stuff. They called down to Home Depot. They booked every Penske truck, every budget truck, every U-Haul truck. They have loaded everything up. And they are on their way out of Egypt. And somebody at the back of the line looks in the rearview mirror and they see Pharaoh and his army coming after them. 
Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. The Israelites are at the Red Sea. And what are they saying in what we just read? We don't like the dip. Take us back. We don't don't like the dip. Take us back. We would rather live in captivity where we know the outcome rather than take the risks that are associated with freedom. Now remember the equation? Look, Look at the equation again. A heightened sense of vulnerability plus a diminished sense of power. They got their backs against the wall. Egyptians here, Red Sea here, Israelites here. They they have nowhere to go. Heightened sense of vulnerability plus a diminished sense of power. That equals this. That equals the dip. Look at verse 13. Moses answered the people and he said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Here's the question. What do I do? How do I respond when I find my life in the dip? How do I I respond when I find myself in the valley of despair? How do we respond as a church when we find ourselves here and we don't want to be there? See, here's the thing about this message. This This is so good. It applies to your personal life, to the church life, and to the business world. Because here's the first thing you don't do. Look look, look at what you don't do. You don't pretend. You can't pretend that you're not here. Jim Collins, who is the the writer of the book, a business book called Good to Great, kind of refers to this as something called the Stockdale Paradox. And again, he he refers to that because he writes the story of Admiral James Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war for eight years during the Vietnam War. And one of the things that Jim Collins communicates in his book, Good to Great, a business book, but one of the things he communicates is that great leaders embrace simultaneously these twin truths. And the truths are their current reality and their ultimate triumph. People who are great leaders embrace the fact they don't pretend that they're not here. They embrace the fact that they're there. 
They embrace their current reality at the same time embracing their ultimate triumph. After his release, Admiral Stockdale was asked by a reporter, how in the world did you survive eight years in a Vietnamese prison camp? This was his reply. I never lost faith in the end of the story. Come on, somebody. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only would I get out, but also that I would prevail in the end. And I would turn the experience into the defining event in my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. And then the reporter asked another question. Okay, Admiral Stockdale, who did not make it out? He said, oh, that's easy. It was the optimists. They were the ones who said, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come, and Christmas would go, and they would still be there. Then they would say, well, we'll be out by Easter. And Easter would come and go. And then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again. And those are the people who died of a broken heart. Collins goes on to state that an attribute of a truly great company or a truly great leaders is their ability to simultaneously embrace the twin truths of their current reality and their ultimate triumph. Let me tell you this morning, you can't pretend when it comes to your current reality. You can't. You know what you have to do? You have to embrace it. You have to embrace the fact that this is where you are. You have to embrace it individually, and we have to embrace it as a church. Church is simply for us not the same as it was before March 2020. Things are different. They look different. They feel different. They, I mean, it's all different. But we can't pretend like it's not different. So we just embrace it. Let me give you another way to respond in the dip. Another thing to think about. You can't be paralyzed. Don't be paralyzed. Even though you find yourself here somewhere where you do not want to be, let me tell you, you can't give up hope. I mean, what did Moses say? He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. You move forward in hope. You move forward here. You just keep moving forward in hope just like Moses did. Listen to me, Crossroads, those listening online, watching online. God did not bring us this far to abandon us. And he hasn't brought you how far he's brought you in your own life to abandon you. You move forward in hope just like Moses did. 
Are there lessons that you still need to learn? Are there lessons that we need to learn as a church? Probably. Are there difficulties in front of us? Absolutely. Are there more transitions in front of us? I guarantee there are. Don't be overcome by your fear. Did you hear me? Don't be overcome by your fear. Because fear without faith will establish the limits of your life. Crossroads, I want you to hear me. It's not my job to keep you comfortable. It's not my job to keep you satisfied. It's not my job to keep you happy. My job as a leader is to encourage you to willingly, maybe even joyfully, follow me right into the dip. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not staying up at night thinking and wondering and worrying about what's going to pull us out of that place to dip. That's not my job. See, God will bring us here. That's his job. So my job is praying about the next decision that's going to lead us back there again. It's about praying, and that's what I would tell you. There's something else you need to do. Pray. If there's anything you do, do pray. You need to pray like crazy. Because when you look at your transitions and your changes and the transitions and changes in this church, you're going to, think like, you're going to feel like things are spinning out of control. But they're not. They're not spinning out of control at all. See, now is the time to lean into the one who is the only one who had control in the first place. So whatever you're going through, whatever transition you're going through, you just need to realize your Heavenly Father is in control because He's a master at transitions. It's actually what He does. He's not sweating. He's not worrying. This is what He does. This is how He accomplishes his work in this world. That right there, the dip, that's how God changes lives. And those type of things, transitions, they've been going on for like 2,000 years. And for you and I to get in on how he's thinking, and what he's doing, that we kind of have to come to a place in our life, as nervous as we may be, and we just have to say, God, I believe that you're in this. I don't want to be here, God, but I believe you're in this. And God, I don't know how you're going to do it, 
But I believe you're working in the change that's a part of my life. I believe you're working in the transitions of my life. And God, I believe you're working in the transitions of this church. Because see, when you and I respond that way, He will do something in your life that he couldn't do it any other time. And he couldn't do it in any other way. But the choice in the way that we respond is ours. It's yours. I mean, what's the option when you find yourself here? Getting mad at God? What's that going to do? I mean, what good is it going to do for you and I to get mad at God because we find ourselves in the dip? But, but one of the things I've kind of discovered about transitions and people who find themselves in this place is that they're usually going to respond in a couple of ways. Some people will jump in the bed and pull the covers over their head and wait for everything just to pass by. Or there's the other group of people who just jump in head first. They plow right into the situation. And they try to fix it. And it's my opinion that in both of those, it's highly possible you're going to miss what God wants to do. I mean, here's what I believe God says. I haven't asked you to fix it. Think, think about the Stockdale Paradox. But I think God says, I haven't asked you to fix it. I've asked you to look for me in it. Trust me and watch what I will do. I mean, the Stockdale Paradox is embracing the current reality and looking at the ultimate truth, the triumph. Some of you today are in a transition. A family transition. Some of you are in a health transition. Some of you are in a financial transition. So I would encourage you this morning, instead of imagining how much worse it could be or thinking about of all the things that you could accomplish why don't you take the time to ask God to do what only he can accomplish even for the church why, why, don't, why don't we not concentrate on how bad or much worse things are going to get but why don't we ask God to do what only he can accomplish in our church and in our lives individually and yes, we work and we plan and we create and we organize. But while we do all of those things, we pray. And while we pray, we constantly cry out. And we confess our need for the provision of God in our families and in our church. Instead of dependence on ourselves, 
why don't we express radical desperation for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because I believe that God wants to work in the transition of your life. And He wants to work in the transition of this church. Even though we may question some of the things that are happening or some of the things that we don't see happening. I want to read a verse that I added this morning. Actually, I added it yesterday morning. It's not going to be on the screen because they already had that done. It's Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know. And we know that God works in all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to to his purpose. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. See, today, I don't know what transition you may be going through. Some of you I do. I have no idea what transition you might be walking through in your life right now. But according to what I just read in Romans 8, 28, it tells me something that I believe, that God is working in what you're going through. Even though I don't know what it is. The verse tells me that God is working. And you may sit in this auditorium, you may be watching us online, and you say, Randy, I, I just got to say, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't see God working in what I'm going through. But the scripture says he's working. And can I be honest with you? It doesn't matter if you see him working or not. Because you know what I can almost bet you? I bet him, I bet you that Abraham didn't see God working either. I bet Joseph didn't see God working. I bet there were probably times that Mary, the mother of Jesus, she didn't even see God working as she was headed to Egypt to save her baby. There were times that Moses and all the other people from Scripture, they didn't see God working either. Because you see, you and I read the scripture, we read the stories, we read the Bible, and we see the highlights. We see the, the miracles of scripture, but we skip over this. We skip over the valleys. But the scripture tells us that God is working, that God is working in all things. Whose good does he have in mind? The scripture said, those who have been called according to his purpose. So whose behalf is God working on? He's working on your behalf.
And at the same time he's working on your behalf, he's working on his behalf. He's working on your behalf because you love him. And he's working on his behalf because he's concerned about his purpose. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we're so thankful that we can go to Scripture, the beauty of Scripture, that we can take a picture that was meant for a business talk, and we can apply that to our lives, and not just apply it to our lives, but we can go to Scripture, and we see that picture fleshed out even in the Scripture. The story of the Israelites is just one place where we can find that. So God, this morning I pray for people who are going through transition, change, loss of a loved one, the diagnosis of a doctor, the change of a job, the the change of a relationship. The God, that you would comfort them and that you would strengthen them. But more than anything else, they would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit knowing that, God, you are at work in all things for the good of those who love you, for those who have been called according to your purpose. So from the front of this auditorium to the back, from the right to the left, Every person who's watching us online, who's walking through a difficult transition, I pray peace and strength and guidance. That by the Holy Spirit, they would be led. And not just led, that they would feel your presence, God. Knowing that you are at work in their life. In their change and in their transition. Realizing that for all of us, without Jesus, we're lost. And it's in Him and Him alone that we can experience the freedom that He came and died for. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand together? What heights of love, what depth of peace.
tears when fears are stilled, when striving sees my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ, I'll stand.
back to that Stockdale paradox. The indication of a great leader or just a great individual and great churches, they embrace their current reality while at the same time looking at their ultimate triumph. And let me tell you this morning, in Jesus Christ, you will win. You will have the victory.